Welcome everybody. I'm Denise from obviously from BIEA. The way we're going to go is we've got three presenters today. So I'm going to introduce them. They're going to do their presentation. They'll take any questions afterwards. And then anything that's general questions, we'll, we'll do at the end, if that's okay. So first of all, I'd like to introduce um, Professor Rick Chandler. Rick is Chair of the Communications Management Association. He has over 30 years experience in global companies, in telecommunications, pharmaceutical, retail, aerospace and government sectors. He is active in mentoring and works with UCL Ideal London Post Accelerator, including their Triangle 5G testbed. I'm sure you can tell us more about that, Rick. <laughs> so, without further ado, I'll pass over to Rick. I guess I'll start at the student level. I, I started my career as a student apprentice in the UK, which I think is probably known as a graduate apprenticeship now, where I spent half my time with Marconi, the uh, communications company, and half my time with the university. So I, I lost out on the long holidays, but that gave me business experience and uh, skills, as well as giving me uh, a salary, which enabled me to be one of the few in my class that could run a car. After that, I, I went, I stayed with Marconi for five or six years and worked on uh, such things as building satellites, putting stuff into um, fighter planes. I even got a flight in a fighter plane. So engineering can actually take you to exciting places. I primarily built communications infrastructure, so networks, mobile networks, etc. But I've also had roles building that in the pharmaceutical industry. I headed up IT for local government uh, in education, which gave me a very good way. It was at the time when uh, schools were rolling off BBC micros onto Windows-based laptops and things like that. So the students were moving faster than the educational system could. And then obviously through various roles, I, I end up now uh, working with UCL in London. I consult in... Um, Internet of Things and Smart Cities. I've connected so many things to networks over the years that it all comes together at the end and uh, yeah. makes the whole world smart. I, you know, I use that to men mentor some of the startups in, in what's known as London's Smart City. And uh, I'm quite excited by some of the new stuff that's coming through the network. Can I share my screen yet? Yeah, I think you can. Have a go, Rick. Can you see that? I mean, we were very impressed with the, the projects. I, I, I was one of the judges... Um, for quite a lot of them and uh, I was amazed you're coming out with some of the, the most advanced technologies AI energy capture the use of enzymes to break down plastic the use of uh, polarization to select different sorts of plastic uh, bioengineering making your models like uh, like insects and whatever amazingly but also I was impressed how you'd learn to work together as teams assign each other roles uh, manage the projects and 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 critically analyze the research you were finding to decide what was suitable so so you you delivered in the end some very complex design and and uh, and some good media both project reports and and, and interviews and, and videos to support it so I think now you want to know how to take this forward I'm just looking at the the UK it's not just about money I just I know that you're in a variety of, of different countries and where the laws and the regulatory systems will be different, both local and national. Um, and you will need partners, i.e. Uh, not just business partners, but you'll need maybe to partner with local companies, 
find lo local uh, support. I'll come on to that in a minute. And also, you mustn't expect everything to happen quickly. One of the biggest uh, problems that the startups in the UK find is, is in this area. They have um, to wait for processes for funding and, and for legal acceptance, licensing, etc. So starting really at home, the, the best support you can get is from the school where I guess you already are, or college where you already are, but to work up through to, I mean, the local authorities in the UK, most towns, most cities, let's put it that way, large towns and cities have groups that are looking at local entrepreneurs, local enterprise, supporting them. You might find a way into those. You might, friends and family might find your ways into those. Certainly, most regions in the UK have um, business groups like in, I put LEP, that's uh, uh, local enterprise partnerships where groups of businesses get together to deliver what is, what is good for their, um, uh, their local community, their, lo their local infrastructure and their local politics as well, I guess. So you need to look, look for those around yourself. I'm representing a, an association which is part of the British Computer Society we have a, a, a young professionals group and also what we call a young entrepreneurs group. So you might find those groups locally that you can work with. Once you can get out, I, do, I don't know how many of you are still locked, locked down. The other thing, I mean, in the UK, we have quite a lot of what I, I work for at Idea London is an accelerator where maybe 20 or 30 small startups work in one building and they share resources, they share ideas but it's a social as well as a, uh, a business interaction and they often can exchange ideas over a drink or a coffee that are appropriate in totally different markets so that, that those sort of communities are worth looking for and then at the national level we have three or four different funding pots in in um, the uk for funding innovation and projects many of these are, are on uh, a competitive basis and you've already proved yourselves in competition but quite a lot are just grants because they're looking to uh, stimulate education and, and local expertise and internationally there are um, things like uh, the horizon 2020 projects <laughs> denise mentioned triangle project that was a, a project which uh, i was part of with ucl to deliver a 5g communications test bed across europe now four years on and, and a lot of that, that original testbed stuff is, is, is providing services that are being used in Spain for uh, telemedicine, in Greece for uh, remote policing, whatever, all, all on the basis of a, a university research project. So look around for these, these opportunities. And as, as I said, we, we have some organisations, the United Nations, I think, supports some um, through UNICEF and whatever, where you can get global funding and global support. And the support you need not, might not just be money. It, it's actually acknowledgement and an opportunity to, to move forward and, and get recognised, I guess, in, in an international context. And on that basis, I mean, we're, I, I'm working in IoT, we reckon there's now between 20 and 50 billion devices connected. In most, most of the um, Western world, you can have a huge range of things to put into your home. In, cars are connected. Cities are being connected for pollution control, traffic control, etc. And although uh, 
we're at early stages now, even with 5G. That, that is the, your future, I guess. The UK is already 100,000 programmers short. Engineers, same number. There's chips everywhere. The internet is getting everywhere. Even uh, I, I know in some of the areas where you work. And it is not easy. But the impressive thing is you've all made a start. But one of the things that I've learned is, is that you, you, you try and define what you do, but the roles change every four or five years. A lot of the jobs that you will be doing don't even exist yet. So I would say to take your projects as a, as a, as a starting point, try and engage where you can, be proud of what you've done, and like me, be flexible as you move on. Uh, I think that Denise is going to run some questions and whatever further on, but I'll be happy to, to talk to any, any of you as we go. Yeah, brilliant. Yep, so I have got some questions that have been actually emailed through. I'm going to relay them and we'll, we'll do the best we can. Yeah. So Evie McKenzie has asked, how do you balance an efficient model with a sustainable one? Ah, are we talking about engineering? I, I, I think that the, it's a very difficult question to start with. The, one, one of the other judges on the show is, is presenting. I've got one up here. Um, United Nations Sustainability Objectives. There are good global objectives. I have a badge here. You can't, I don't know if you can see. To deliver that sustainability, but the long-term objective of sustainability really depends on, on very small, efficient modules. And I think if you can get your project working efficiently and um, effectively, then in the bigger picture, I mean, it's a question of scale, really. In the bigger picture, you're talking about something which doesn't draw resources out of the world and uh, works on a sustainable way. I hope that answers the question. Good. And another one for you, Rick. What's the most important step between a prototype and a product? Through the stages of, of getting projects launched, you know, the, the, the startup community, they talk about a minimum viable product. That, that is the, the stage where you can actually prove your idea, prove it works, and effectively get funding and support, not necessarily money, but get people to buy into it. The timescale on that might be uh, long. And in many cases, in building the first prototypes and, and minimum viable products, the, what's known as, as pivot or, or change the idea slightly. So the first steps are very important to clarify what you want to do to get to the point where you, you can get the resources you need to take it onto a, a prototype. If your objective is, is to make money out of it, basically, then, then you have a different set of constraints to maybe getting investment in, in your case, maybe to build a machine that works to clear the plastic from your local beach. What to determine success, you need to talk out at the very early, early stages. I mean, the stages you're at, I think you've already got close, most of you, to the minimum viable product, even if you haven't built it. But you can then build that and get on to the, the next stage. I would hope that investment sources I spoke about earlier on would give you some, uh, some lead on that. And maybe the schools can access and the colleges can access funds as well. Um, another question from Evie. How much testing do you think is required? It, well, on the projects you've, you've got, I would think that it's... Some of you, I know, were, were very close to some of the, uh, the polluted beaches, etc., where this was, was needed. I think that 
the testing that some of you did with with I know some of you made models and tested bits of it. You can't test too much, but it can take a lot of resources. So you need to, to define very early on what basically represents success for what you're trying to do. In other words, if you can say, well, this, this is, model is going to go and pick up, I don't know, 10 diverse bits of plastic on, on the beach before we move on to the next stage, then that's success. If you're building, as I, I used to in, it, in the aerospace days, you build a, something which has safety and, and, and other critical features. I know that some of you put you know, um, safety sensors in your designs to look out for animals and, and, and whatever. If it's safety critical, then you obviously need to do that, that much more testing. So it depends on the design and it depends where you want to go to the next step if you're going to launch in, in, a, in, a, in a public area, for example. And one, I think we'll just do this one really briefly, because I think it's a question that a lot of the teams will be asking. Um, and I think we might cover it all together in, an, in another webinar. But do you think it's worth going for a patent? Always. Always. <laughs> if you, this is where you might need business support. The, what is interesting is we've got many countries represented here. The patent laws are different in each and whatever. If you really believe, I saw some really innovative stuff. I'm not, I'm not messing around when I said saw that. However, patent application is expensive. One trick I have learned is, is that um, once you've applied for it, even if it doesn't pass very quickly and all the rest of it, if it precedes other people applying for the same thing, then, uh, then at least you've registered your idea before they have. But it, every country has a different rule set on these. But certainly protect your intellectual property might not be a patent you might uh, find that you've got regulation to protect other bits of the design again in different countries you can you can copyright for example uh, rather than just patent that's why i put law and, and things as, as one of the precursors go and have a chat with a local lawyer <laughs> okay brilliant thank you i think that was really really helpful thank you very much rick there's some other questions come through but i'm gonna Okay. them to the end really and we'll see who, who yeah. else might want to take those. I'd now like to introduce Arya from the Young Enterprise Initiative and I'm not, I'm not going to actually introduce them because the whole point is that they're going to talk to us about their organisation and how they can help. So hello and over to you. Hello. Hi. So uh, my name is Arya. I'm from California in the United States uh, and I'm currently a high school student. I know you guys in the UK have like a different system, but I'm in the equivalent of 12th grade, so I'm 17 years old. And so today I'm here to talk to you guys about my uh, organization called the Young Entrepreneur Initiative. So my program is a three-day online workshop that introduces young kids like you, mostly uh, middle school and high school students, to entrepreneurship. So the program is three days. And right now we're in our uh, online phase where developing an online model and we're going to be running a pilot session uh, next, next week. So basically our program is broken down into three days. The first day teaches uh, about the foundations of business. So as you were talking before about uh, the legal aspects of business, which I'm sure a lot of you guys are curious about. Also about financials and operations. Let me do a brief introduction to marketing. The second day of our program is all about skill sets. And so we teach kids about design thinking. And I think a lot of you guys probably already have experience with prototyping and iterating products, but for the younger students, that's particularly important. Uh, we also do basic graphic design, uh, building a website, 
there's no coding involved, like no HTML or anything, but just using like online platforms to build websites. And then we do a pretty cool marketing simulation where students have the opportunity to choose a product from the simulation and then iterate it over the course of three to four games. And they get to see how their product works in the market and then they get to make adjustments to it. And so it kind of lets them put all the things they've learned into practice. And then a week later, we have a pitching session where students over the course of a week, they would have developed an idea using the skills they learned. And then following certain guidelines, they pitch the product. So pretty similar to what you guys did, but less complex in the sense that, you know, over the course of a week, you can't really develop a really complex idea. But the point is to get students to put everything to practice. And so the first day of our program is two hours. The second day is two hours. And the third day is also two hours. So it's a pretty short program and we emphasize the breadth over the depth of each of the things. But we're also planning to have workshops held where we're going to have ambassadors uh, teaching very specific topics in one hour workshops. And so some of those things will be like prototyping. We're also working with someone in Atlanta, Georgia to develop, uh, and he's a lawyer, to develop a brief presentation on the legal aspects of business. So a lot of the things you mentioned, like trademarking, patenting, and copywriting things, especially in the United States, but we're definitely working on uh, more international reach. And so some of the topics we're going to be teaching uh, over the course of the program are things like the entrepreneurial mindset, teamwork, market segmentation, value proposition, legal aspects of business, what it takes to raise capital. So there's different types of financing, balance sheets, digital marketing, website development, uh, some basic graphic design, pitching, which is the final day of the program, and then uh, prototyping. And so for the digital marketing, we're going to be introducing students to Facebook marketing. And the reason we chose Facebook is because it is pretty similar to other platforms like Google, Snapchat, and now TikTok. And so we're going to be introducing students to marketing and segmenting their audience, something pretty similar to what people in e-commerce do. So like choosing different audiences, testing your product, seeing the cost per click and all that sort of stuff. And we hope that students are going to be able to use what they learn over the course of the first and second day to implement and pitch their product uh, a week later. And so right now we have a program set up for next Saturday. It's currently already filled, but we're hoping to work with other people, uh, especially in my community, to develop more workshops. And so the program in, uh, in its aggregate form is six hours long. So there's two hours on a Saturday, two hours on a Sunday, and then a week later, there's two hours on a Saturday as well. And... Um, we're, t we're thinking of holding between two and three workshops per month. And then on top of that, we're going to be working with people from my school and then some people from other parts of the United States, so Texas and uh, Massachusetts, to, to develop, like I said, workshops on very specific topics. And we're hoping to expand just beyond our community. And so we're really interested in looking for, I guess you could say, global ambassadors who are interested in our mission and would be interested in either teaching the curriculum to students in their community or helping us develop workshops. So for anyone interested in joining our program, you can visit our website it's called the young entrepreneur initiative.com. Once you visit our website, if you're interested in joining the program, attending one of our uh, three day workshops, you can go to the contact form, just put in the information and we plan on uh, planning out more sessions for the future. But if you are also interested in uh, becoming a global ambassador for our program and maybe running the program in the country you're from, we can teach you the curriculum. We can get you on the executive board. And uh, if you're interested in that, you can just shoot us an email. Our email is on our website. And we'd love to work with students like you guys to kind of spread our mission. And so, yeah, I'm open to any questions. Thank you. Uh, one that's come through is, is there a cost to, to joining 
your course? Good question. No, there's no cost. Uh, this is, so I'm an inspiring social entrepreneur. So my goal is to help students kind of learn the process of entrepreneurship. And so like I've started a lot of ventures on my own, but I understand that uh, in middle school, it's particularly hard. So no, there's no cost. It's completely free. Okay. And how are you funding it then? Just Yeah. So at the moment, uh, we did some GoFundMe campaigns and we raised a couple hundred dollars. At the moment, there isn't really any money needed because it's online. Before, we, we, we planned to do in-person sessions. And so that would have costed maybe like renting out a computer lab or something like that. That would have cost money. But at the moment, there isn't really any infrastructure cost because everything is held online. But of course, like for the website, you have to you know, buy the domain, set up all that stuff. And so there were some basic costs, but nothing too expensive. And how have you found, you've just touched on, and funding obviously is something that a lot of the teams here will be interested in. How did you find GoFundMe? Did, was that difficult? Did you get a good response? What? Sure, yeah. So GoFundMe is pretty popular in the US. I'm sure it is probably where you guys are as well. But yeah, I just launched a campaign. And I think for that sort of stuff, especially when you're working on a community project, uh, it's, networking is really important. And so I just reached out to people I know and I kind of gave it to them. I didn't necessarily ask them for money, but I asked them, you know, if this is something that interests you and you think it's, the mission is positive, then could you just spread the word around? And so we raised a couple hundred dollars and we haven't really done an extensive, any funding for it yet because there aren't really many costs to it. Of course, we're going to probably apply for like a 501c, which is the US equivalent of a nonprofit soon. Um, but yeah, about it. Okay, brilliant. That's the end of the questions that have appeared so far, but I'm sure that people are going to be looking at this and I'm hoping that you get a good response from the teams here because I think this is something that they'd be really interested in. So I think we'll be coming back to you with some other questions, but thank you very much. That was a brilliant presentation. Thank you. I'd now like to introduce Tyronda. Tyronda is a business analyst at the Department of Transformation and Digitalization in the Bahamas which is kind of just excites me just to say it. She has a bachelor's degree in computer information systems from the University of the Palmers, AA information technology from BTVI and has a number of international certifications. She is also certified as a youth leader for the Ministry of the Women and Girls Mentoring Coalition founded by Patricia Minnis, wife of the Prime Minister of the Bahamas. She created FemSTEM Bahamas to showcase the opportunities in STEM for young girls. So over to you, Tyronda. Thank you. Thank you, Denise, for that wonderful introduction. And good, I think it's afternoon where you're at. Good afternoon, everyone. So what I am professionally is the IT business analyst. I'm just going to go quickly over about who I am. I, um, Denise already did a great introduction. I'm just going to go quickly. I'm an IT business specialist, and I am the founder of FemSTEM Bahamas. As Denise noted already, I have an IT management degree and a degree in bachelor's in computer information systems. All right. So FemSTEM Bahamas is a youth-based nonprofit organization founded in July of 2019. So it's a pretty new organization. And we believe in providing high school girls with the fun fundamentals for self-growth, career development, um, specifically in STEM, which is science, technology, engineering, and math. We are an, an empowerment program focused on making opportunities available for STEM across the Bahamas. And our mission is to educate, empower, and equip high school girls to pursue opportunities in STEM, right? 
what an IT business analyst is for some people who may not know. We IT business analyst is someone who analyzes an organization or a company's business process and documents the process and systems, assessing the business model and trying to find an IT solution for that company or organization. So essentially, just like how you see an image, we are the person in the middle who translates the business needs of our organization or agency into a technical need and help to find a solution, help to translate that need to the technical person. Most of the times, we know IT professionals, they are kind of introvert. They only want to get their job done. They are not interested in all the extras. So we help to relay what it is that the person needs and we translate it into you know the IT language and then translate the IT language back over to the person who may not know what it is, essentially. All right, so what we do is we work with the business, like I said, to identify opportunities for improvement, requirements gathering, the analyst gathers, sorry, documents and analyze business needs. Um, we sometimes serve as a systems designer, so sometimes we help with the technical design of the of the software solution and we the most important part is a liaison so we like i say serve as the person in the middle between the business and then the it professional the current projects that i'm working on is a land mapping and gis software e-cabinet and health visa all right and some skills needed to be a it business analyst most important is communication you have to be able to properly communicate um, a lot of things to people, right? And we meet often, but now, you know, with COVID, most of the times it's virtually, but we meet often with stakeholders, and those are people who have a stake in the, in the project. We deal with problem solving, relationship building. These are the skills that you need and technical skills, all right? You also need a lot, a whole group of other skills, but those are the main ones. And my next step for you guys. So before we get to the question part, I just want to give you some tips based on projects I work on. And it's mostly software development related, but it also can work for a, a, a product-based environment. Properly define your requirements, understand the requirements that your solution or your prototype will be meeting the need of. So, for example, um, I think Dr. Forgive me, the first speaker, he spoke to it already. Um, you know, the actual prototype, you said it will scan for a particular laser lights or whatever to scan for a particular item on the ground. You need to specifically define the requirements for those in order for you to know what it is that your prototype will be meeting the need of. Use acceptance testing and use acceptance criteria Define properly, define the criteria so that you would know what it is that your prototype is supposed to be meeting. For example, you know it needs to pick up um, microplastic, right? So you said, properly define, okay, my prototype, it won't be in these exact words, but the prototype must be able to handle microplastics. That's where you will be able to properly define those requirements and also to be able to know what you are testing for in your prototype. So properly document your requirements, your criteria, and then your user acceptance testing plan document, right? And then proposal and business plan. This is after you already develop your prototype, after you already, you know, 
got to the stage of everything is already ready to go after user acceptance testing, you want to develop and properly craft your proposal or your business plan. Find out what it is, and obviously that'll be already defined from your your equipment. But find out what it is that your prototype is solving. You need to speak to the pain point of the persons you are trying to convince to invest in your your idea. So you need to specifically say how your prototype will be solving that problem, which is plastic solution. You need to you need to convince them that this will help in the long run. Why is it that I need to invest? in your prototype. What problem is your prototype solving? And that's what will be documented in your business plan. All right, so that's it for my presentation. I just want to leave you with this note. A combination of hard work and smart work is efficient work. All right, so if you guys have any questions, I'll be more than interested to answer. Thank you. Yeah, I there's one that's just come up. Do you think that it's best for teams to be writing their own business plan, or would you recommend getting the help of a professional to do that? Well, on most project teams, right, you have different people playing different roles. And for the most part, like I said, you don't want to just have like the developer or the person who is establishing the, the, the solution on your team. You need to have a cadre, and that's what I noticed and I liked about a lot of the teams, of skill sets on your team. So you would have a project manager, you would have a systems design and development person. You also need to have a technical writer on your team or somebody who is really good at documentation. So have a wide variety of skill sets. Don't just look at one skill group and, and say that will be my project team or would help to develop my project team. So if you don't have that particular skill set, if you don't have somebody who's a, like a technical writer on your team, then hire, or I wouldn't say hire, but see if you could get somebody to volunteer to, to develop your business plan. Great. Thank you. And um, another question that's come up that I think you can, you can give us a hand with here is, um, the teams are asking about how, how do they find out about people who can help them? So we, we've already had, oh, you made a, a great presentation about, you know, entrepreneurship and how you get into that. But, but other companies, how, what sort of research are they going to have to do to um, help them create their final product? Well, a lot of grants, um, and I think, I, I don't know, somebody spoke on it already, but there are a lot of grants available for different projects. So you have to research. Google is our best friend for right now. Look at opportunities, most likely, like um, Dr. Chandler spoke to about it already, um, the SDGs, the United Nations. They have sustainable development goals that deal with waste and environment. Find grants and an organization that speaks to those needs, and then you can identify grants that could be accessible to you from that organization. Google search, look for grants related to plastic pollution, environmental waste, look for those keywords, and then you can have access to the opportunity and then look at the document itself. Most of the times the grant would have a specific criteria, look at the document and see what the criteria is to qualify you for that grant and then you can write for it. Um, I think, um, I can't remember the, the Isaiah, um, I'm, I'm trying to remember the pre presenter name before me, I'm so sorry. Um, I think he spoke about it already too, about being registered as a 50C. You can also 
incorporate yourself as a nonprofit organization, as a team. And when you incorporate yourself, then you would also have access to funding as a nonprofit organization. Once you, um, I don't know what the 50C is just for the US or if it's in the UK as well, but you will be able to be eligible for grants based on what it is that your organization is doing. So you can determine if you want to form your, your group or your team as a corporation, or you could decide if you want to do it as a nonprofit. And based on your mandate, based on, on your overall goal, then you will be able to determine which avenue you want to go and how can you pursue a grant or funding or any way to secure access to information and funds. Thank you. Brilliant. Um, Rick, can I come back to you? Because we, we're now talking about funding and grants, and I know that you know about what Innovate, so this is for the UK, but I still think it's pertinent to everybody else. Innovate UK and the grants that they're currently giving. Do you think you could just give us a little brief <coughs> overview? There's, there's various uh, UK funding channels. They have one called the Knowledge Transfer Network. They have one which is primarily for universities uh, and whatever. They launch competitions for funding. Often you can go into those as a, an individual group. Taronda said you might need to register yourself as a, a business. It doesn't have to be a, a limited company, but at least you need a, an entity which can engage with government and get the money. You need a bank account. They then have a, a process. What I can do is I'll share with you some links which you can distribute it in, in the UK people. They're looking at what are hot topics at the moment. At, at the moment, there's a lot of funding for entrepreneurship around COVID-19. You know, new, new ways of new medical equipment, new ways of dealing with the, the social issues around it. And, and so, you know, they, they move on. And every few months, they come up with another set of competitions. Engaging with them is, is quite easy in terms of, you, you know, you put in your proposal. There's some guidance can share, you know, how to fill in those, those proposals. But there's no guarantees. I mean, there's no guarantees on any of it. However, the exercise of Toronto was saying about, about analysing uh, what your project is and the benefits, etc., is a good process to go through anyway. And that process might be of interest to other investors and whatever. Innovate UK have quite a big fund. And at the moment, the government are being quite generous because of the COVID thing. So they've got communications, agriculture, advanced motors, uh, you know, all the different themes, some of which might apply to your, your particular model, particularly the, in, in the current competition, the plastics and pollution stuff. There are other government groups as well, and, and they're somewhat internationally, as I said, the Horizon 2020 is a European fund. And again, they, they cover these, these things, but then you need to be part of a consortium. And so, as I said, you need to find other partners at the local level, or maybe other, other schools, other interested parties to form a consortium. Brilliant. If I can add to that. Please. Yeah, so there's a lot, at least in the U.S., and I'm sure internationally as well, there's a lot of incubators and accelerators with pitch competitions for students. Yeah. Uh, and they have a lot of partners that, you know, give out money to high school students and college students as well. And obviously, you can apply to grants and stuff like that. And I'm also, I also work with another organization that teaches like uh, English to students internationally and I have to like apply for grants and stuff like that. So there's plenty of grants out there and especially because you guys have like really good STEM research and you guys are coming up with your own original ideas. I'm sure there's a lot of ways that you guys can get money. Brilliant. 
Thank you. There was one other question. Do you think that there's any mileage in teams collaborating internationally? Absolutely. I think that, that was one of the uh, things I, I love on the, um, the project. Some of the, the projects were from teams in heavily polluted areas. Some of the others were in, in if you like, highly um, intellectually or connected parts of the world where there's plenty of funds. And I would love to see some collaboration. What I found consistent over, I mean, all the countries that I, I judged was how state-of-the-art and, and how you know, innovative the, the ideas were. They drew on all the latest research and whatever and incorporated into their models. And I think collaboration between the different countries, between the different continents, would be amazing if we could find a way to do it. I mentioned the UN Sustainable Development Goals. I know one of the other uh, a Scottish judge who judged with me, she's involved with that. There are funds outside the national ones. And there are equivalents of Innovate UK in other countries, certainly in Europe and America. And as uh, Iris said, the innovation incubators that I, I spoke of, if you can find those locally, they'll know where the local pots are because they, they rely on them. It's an idea in London where I work. We used to run a six-month course with all of the topics that he said, but they would engage the people from the business, the law, the, the business development communities to run you through the various processes. But... Um, it's, it's worth looking. Well, I think I'll, I'll do a shout out now to teams, but if you do want us to yeah. put you in touch with, with anybody else, especially if, because I know that, that some of the teams looked at different parts of the world, as you've said, yeah. they weren't actually looking at, at where they were. They were looking at yeah. other parts of the world to help solve their problems. So I think there's, um, there is some mileage in that. Do you, do you agree, Taronda? Yeah, most definitely. I'm really hoping that the Bahamas can come on, on board for next, next year or whenever the next competition is. As you know, we are surrounded by water. And so I know some of the prototypes dealt with on land and sea as well. But, you know, when you get a different perspective, then it also gives you the opportunity to solve a problem that you may have not thought of or I help to find a requirement that you may not have thought of during the whole process. So definitely the diverse groups and um, partners and skill set was helpful because they came from a different environment and different vantage point. So I think it was really good. Brilliant. I'm going to throw it open now. Has, has anybody else got anything that they would like to add? I know we've got a couple of teachers here. So Lee from Malaysia. Can you tell me if your teams are looking at developing their products further? Hello. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. We're looking for it, but um, we actually don't have facilities and maybe we don't have that expertise to, to develop our prototype or our uh, design to become a real product. So maybe anyone can help us. Brilliant. I'm going to ask one of the uh, would one of the other teachers of, who, who are supporting teams also like to let me know now if they can unmute and just tell me how their teams are, are responding to this and are they looking to, to develop further? Um, maybe Patrick. Hello, we are from the Philippines, and I guess our team is actually very much willing and open to develop the 
project that we have submitted in the competition, but due to the quarantine protocols set by our government, at their age, they are not allowed to go outside their premises or their residences. So once uh, the quarantine will be lifted, then we could go ahead and proceed with the development of our project. Brilliant. Thank you. And I'm going to also ask Tandy, who supported the winning team. Hiya. Would have, hi. Would you like to tell us um, how, how, what, what's happened to you since? I mean, obviously you're on Women's Out, which was brilliant. <laughs> yes, um, we've done Women's Out. We're just preparing. We met yesterday. So uh, Evie, James, uh, Chloe are here now. And we met yesterday and we are preparing a journal for Youth and STEM. So Youth and STEM contacted us and they'd like us to publish. So we're, going to, we're just preparing a journal for them. And then we're going to do Young Scientist Journal as well. And then when we go back, uh, we're looking at making a CAD model, a 3D printed CAD model. So we're looking at upgrading our CAD system. Our school is very supportive and our chief executive of our multi-academy trust is really supportive as well. So the trustees are all getting involved as well and the parents are really supportive as well. So we are definitely uh, moving forward. And I was talking to the you actually about everything you've mentioned about the UN because I had a team that used the UN for funding as well. So it's, if, if anyone hasn't looked at the UN website, it's really helpful. There's a lot of youth conferences as well. So we'll be looking at, at different funding streams as well um, and seeing what we can do with our prototype. Fabulous. Wow. Thank you. What we'll do is we'll, we'll, we'll gather up the links and we'll get those out to you all afterwards. All the presentations are up on YouTube now. So it might be worth just having a look at those, seeing where teams are from and whether you have got some grounds to collaborate and then you can get in touch with us and we can put you in touch with the teams. I'd love to see that happen. And it's great to hear that activists are really, are really going for it in the STEM world, it's brilliant. Thank you to the three presenters, been really good. And I think also that the, it's given us some ideas of ways that we can carry on. I think one of the things that we would have really liked to have explored is around IP, a patent, and that those are questions that I think will come up for teams as they develop their products. So we'll look to do a webinar on that. And as you said, Rick, probably in September when we're kind of back to school and there's not school holidays and things and people are around. <laughs> and lockdown is finished. Yes, well, maybe, we hope. We hope, and that was interesting also hearing from Patrick. It, it sounds like it's affecting people really, really differently in, in all sorts of parts of the world. So, and maybe, yeah, it can bring us closer together, I think as well. So we can, but we'll definitely look at that. So thank you very much, everybody. And um, we'll see you next time. And hopefully we'll have more updates on where we are and, and what you're all doing. So thank you very much. Thank you, thank you Rick. Thank you, Aya. Thank you, Taranda. Thank you, bye. <laughs>